DiscerningHearts.com presents The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Bork. Father Bork is a priest of the Archdiocese of Dublin and has served as vocations director for the diocese as well as pastor in a number of its parishes. Trained as a spiritual director in the contemplative style, he now serves as chaplain to the University College Dublin, the largest university in Ireland. He is the author of Make Your Home in Me, Reflections on Prayer, Master, The One You Love is Ill, Reflections on Illness and Caring for the Sick, and Mercy in All Things, Reflections on the Diary of St. Faustina Kowalska. The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Borg. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father. It's so good to be with you again. Welcome. It's wonderful to be with you too again, Chris. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you today. A lot of us don't realize our dependency on our phone because it's just become such a part of what we do and it feeds us. And I think, I might be pushing this, but I think that's the way it is with sin. We just don't realize how it has a hold on us. And it's not even, you know, yes, it's in the the ones that are almost, that cause tremendous damage. Well, they all do. All sin does because it's a break from God. But I mean, when we fall into speaking detraction about others, also known as gossip, even Mm. if the, or calumny, you you are repeating lies about people, or you get caught up in the uh, political discord no matter what country it is, you know, the factions and the way we speak about people, we don't even realize what we're saying or what we're doing. I mean, maybe that's why Jesus, when he looked down from the cross, he said, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And that's in a very real way. That can be us, can it? Absolutely. We become anesthetized to our own sin, you know. Um, we'd get so used to it that we can't actually see it. And um, it could be envious of somebody, someone else's goods or jealous of your neighbor. Or as you say yourself, it could be at work, you know, I shall slip a few things into my bag from the job. Should all notice that that it's gone, you know. Um, a pen goes missing or something goes missing from the office, whatever, I'm not sure. Nobody is going to miss this, you know, or I don't know. It could be anything. But yeah, we... we we let ourselves off the hook almost too easily, and we, we become used to our own sin. We, as I say, become anesthetized to our own sin. I think one of the saddest things for me in confession is when someone comes in and says to me, "Bless you, Father, for I, I, I'm here to for confession, but I haven't I haven't any sins, you know." And you ask him, "How long is it since your last confession?" And it could have been months and months since our confession. And and say, so you, "You mean you haven't sinned at all?" No, not at all. No, I haven't done any sin. Like I haven't killed anyone, or I haven't haven't murdered anyone, or robbed a bank, or anything like that. As if sinning was only just murdering someone or robbing the bank. Like as you say yourself, it's the simple things that we allow ourselves permission to do. Uh, there's a wonderful picture here of Caravaggio was taking of Christ in the National Gallery in Ireland in Dublin, and it was undiscovered in a Jesuit house for many many years. It came through a, a housekeeper that had. Uh, now, Jesuit had been looking after the spiritual needs of a, a, a rich family down in the south of Ireland, and they, the, the wife donated the, the picture to Jesuits many, many years ago, but it was over the fireplace, and it had become so darkened by the, the grime and the smoke from the fireplace that they just didn't know what it was. They couldn't see mm-hmm. the, the beauty behind it. So uh, when they were doing up, the, they were renovating the 
the dining room where it was hanging, they, the, the superior at the time knew the president of the National Gallery and said, look, I have a picture here. I don't know if it's worth anything at all. We're, we're actually thinking of getting rid of it because one, we think it's probably the frame is the most valuable part of it. Would you send someone around to have a look? So they sent a van around and within a week, he's, they got a phone call that said that this was a rare master, Caravaggio. And when they started removing the, the grime that had built up over the years, they began to see the beauty of the painting. And it's something like that in ourselves, like the sinfulness that we get used to, almost like it's a layer of grime on us that slowly built up over time and our dignity and our worth and our, our own confidence and our joy is slowly diminished in such a way that we don't actually recognize it's happening. It's uh, progress can be so subtle because that's how the other one works very subtly, you know, um, subtly taking away our confidence, certainly taking away our and, and look, maybe we even hadn't got of confidence in the first place. Maybe our upbringing was such a way that uh, our parents or our upbringing didn't give us much confidence. And the evil one can work on that, on that vulnerability, you know. It's something where all the, like, there's nobody in the world today that's not a sinner. Um, and I'm always struck by the lady caught in adultery um, and brought to Jesus and Jesus writing on the ground and saying that he who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all dropped the stones and walked off because there was none of them that was free from sin. And it's not about beating ourselves up, you know. I often say to students, you know, they come in with, I'm really impressed by young people and their conf conf uh, confessions. And, you know, they're almost kind of beating themselves up and they're, they're telling you their sins. I did this and I did that. And I was, you know, I got caught there here and whatever. And I often say to them, look, you took courage to stop yourself and to reflect on your life. The Holy Spirit has inspired these areas of growth and areas that they need healing in your life we rejoice in the fact that the holy spirit's alive in your heart that you've allowed the holy spirit to reveal these things to you so in an act of sorrow an act of um looking back an act of um contrition or act of examination of conscience it's very important i think to ask the holy spirit to reveal to us in our lives where is we most where our sin is and where we're most vulnerable as opposed to looking at life and saying okay where did i do sin but ask the holy spirit to reveal this to us and I guarantee you, if we do that, the Holy Spirit will never let us down. And we'll be surprised, actually, what will come up and things that we had given, you know, thrown the towel and or think, oh, that's not really a sin at all, will begin to surface. And it's the small things that lead to big things. And it's the, it's the uh, small things that kind of take away our dignity. Uh, I'm convinced that an evil person doesn't become an evil person overnight. It's the small acts of evil during their life that become, that overtake them. And a, a good person, the same like it's small acts of goodness, it's small acts of recognizing the vulnerability in themselves and bringing them to God for healing that creates a holy person and a, and a prayerful person. I'm so glad you brought up that image of the Caravaggio that they discovered over the fireplace and, and how th they didn't realize what they had. And I think it, it recently, or over the, the last year or so, I have begun watching online, here's a good thing, online, uh, a person who restores artwork. Oh, wow. And one of the things that they do is they have to get that varnish off. And yeah. I don't know why this, this program is, or this YouTube channel has become so uh, wonderful to watch. It's because of the care that's taken. I mean, it's so gentle. Everything he does, every movement uh, has to be done delicately. You can't just go in there and rip things off and tear no. things apart or throw it. I mean, you have to be so delicate. But when that happens, 
the vibrancy, the image that comes out is it always leaves you, it takes your breath away sometimes. And isn't that the way it is with God? You know you're, you're dealing with God here because he's Absolutely. like that with us in our prayer. And if you're experiencing anything else that is counter that gentleness, well, then you have to be kind of careful. And this may not be from God. If something that makes that that does damage to the image, that is truly who you were meant to be. And what I mean, do you feel that is true? Oh, absolutely. I think that beautiful image of taking a cotton cotton bud bud and just rubbing the, the surface of the painting to remove the uh, the varnish that gentle a delicate compassionate way that the restorer restores the images that beautiful way that god restores our image to incredible dignity by just gentle merciful love remember god sin has damaged us it's damaged our beauty it's damaged the way we we look at ourselves at the way we view the world our relationships with each other and god will never do any damage to us that's one thing to remember so when he heals us, he heals us in the most precious, beautiful, and, and loving and gentle way, and slowly but surely reveals that dignity to us in a in a really profound way. And that's why I suppose for some sins that are particularly invasive or addictive, and um, we that's why we need to come to confession regularly. So over time, that the because God will never, as I said, force us to do anything but he's gently leading us and that the damage that is overcome is overcome sometimes gently so it's just never give up because okay I, oh i went to confession and i did grand for a couple of days and then i i fell into temptation again i'm the worst person in the world no you just pick yourself back up with god's grace and now god to pick you up and you go back to him and you ask him for his grace so that that gentle loving merciful healing will eventually in your life transform your life God does not do any violence to us, but gently, lovingly restores our dignity back to its uniqueness. I love when I, you know, confession for me as a priest is just an incredible encounter with the merciful Jesus. And one of the examples are the results of a really good, decent confession from someone who gives their heart to the Lord is often tears, you know, and that freedom of being actually, you know, I was embarrassed by this and I was, I should, I had no reason to be because I was encountering the merciful Jesus at a retreat recently for students that were discussing the apparition at Knock, uh, County Mayo in Ireland of Our Lady in the 1850s. And one of the beautiful aspects of the apparition there, which has no words, is the Lamb of God present on the altar as a delicate lamb. And I think really that's who we approach in confession. So we've no need to be afraid or embarrassed by approaching a lamb because we've not, nothing to fear from the gentleness of a lamb. So we should not ne never be... Go you know, I'm too embarrassed, I'm too afraid, I'm too upset, too anxious. Never allow that to, to kind of become a barrier because we're approaching the Lamb of God who wants to take away the sins of the world and not just the sins of the world, our sin as well, you know? Yeah, that's the, the thing when we have begun that entry into prayer and that intimacy sometimes, and maybe for some it's totally unexpected. As you said, it, you just begin to weep. Yeah. And that there's nothing wrong with that, is there? I mean, there is nothing that should even be thought of as unexpected about that type of emotion or however you want to call it that wells up in a soul and overflows. I often think that that's one of the expression of the Holy Spirit of joy is in tears, you know, 
uh, your like tears can be tears of of extreme joy as well as tears of sadness, you know. And uh, the Holy Spirit moves us in such a way that often it leads to tears, especially in people whose sin has become pervasive. And give an example recently of a of a lady who came to confession who had had an abortion ten years ago, and she had carried the guilt and the sadness and the pain of the sin that she had in her heart for. 10 years and it had just robbed her of every bit of peace in her life and she turned to alcohol and that didn't help her at all and she tried to she she just was lost and i just happened to be in the confession box one day and she was passing by and she stepped into the church and saw the door open and she came in and after her telling her really sad it's always a sad sad story you hear when she heard the words of absolution she just wept with tears of joy and freedom and release from the anxiety and the pain and and the suffering of of her the burden that she was carrying uh, and that that's that that there are tears of joy you know there are tears that flow from a heart that's that's wounded and has encountered the one who loves us intimately when we meet somebody that loves us intimately is often tears of joy. We'll return to The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Borg in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Bork. I say this coming as a as a woman in response to that, that for us as females, that is something that may seem more acceptable, um, that women will share that, that weeping, that crying. But for men, that may be a stumbling block for some. They may try to stop themselves because it's not a manly response. Yeah. I, am, am I? Am I? <laughs> I think you're uh, right. I, men don't want to put on a brave face, you know, don't be seen to be, you know, weak almost, you know. But you see, the Holy Spirit often moves us in ways that we don't realize, and it can actually overcome us before we actually know it's happening, you know. Um, so that sometimes can happen. Like the, the Holy Spirit's movement in the heart can be so profound that, in spite of ourselves, we, we weep. Um, but you're right. There are some who just won't allow that to um, to surface. And like I guarantee you, 
well, I, if to come to me for confession, I won't be, I won't feel um, embarrassed by that myself. I, I think tears are an incredible gift from God, no matter where they come from and no matter who's crying them, um, because they are a te- they're an expression of deep emotion. And I think there's no better place than a confessional to show deep emotion. And I don't, I don't think as any priest is going to be embarrassed by that either. I think I suspect that most priests would only see that as a, a sign of the Holy Spirit at work. So if there are any men listening here it's like well I, you know i'm too strong to go to confession or um that's not for me i'd ask you to think again maybe this is exactly for you and it's exactly for all of us i'm really struck by the fact that we see jesus was completely free from sin but if we look at the scriptures he like if we look at the times he went to the synagogue you know the time in the where he went to the synagogue and he, he took the scroll and he he preached from the the you know from the prophet isaiah it says in that piece of scripture that he went to the to the synagogue as he usually did on the sabbath and we know from mark chapter 135 he went to get up in the morning and he went off to a quiet place to pray so he regularly went to prayer so he was consistent in those things and I, if if he had been sinful, he would have gone to confession or you know freedom, but that that didn't enter into the equation at all. But he was consistent in his prayer life, and he was consistent in his his love for his father um, and his expression of his worship of the father. So we should never be afraid of that. And like we are sinners, and if if the Lord needed to pray, we need to pray, and we need definitely need the power of this beautiful sacrament of confession to restore the dignity lost through sin. You know, the scriptures, our, our Lord will tell us, will teach us to pray, to go into our inner room and shut the door and pray and quiet ourselves. And that is absolutely the beautiful, that, that's the starting, that's the everyday, the all the time experience we're called to have. But he also sent his disciples, the ones who follow him, out two by two so that they would not be alone as they're out in the world and doing things. And in a very real way, aren't we called not to necessarily undertake this journey of prayer all by ourselves? No, definitely not. I think um, the more support we have in the spiritual life, the better for ourselves, you know. I think reading and listening to watching prayerful uh, podcasts and videos on prayer are vitally important too for, for education to find out more. But really walking with people is, as you say, he sent them out two by two. They supported each other. They went into the city together. We see on the road to a mosque that Jesus explained the scriptures to both of them together. And I'm sure they went on to discuss what Jesus had said to them with each other as along the way too. It made sense of that Jesus had been with us and what that meant for them, you know. So I de- definitely think we need to, and it's it's for all of us here, it's not just for a priest or a sister or a brother to be looking for some spiritual companion, whether it's a spiritual director or a spiritual accompanier. Um, it's for all of us. We all need that vital support of somebody else, uh, particularly a wise person with us to talk about prayer, so that we can share the pitfalls and share where we're struggling and share the joys of the thing as well, so that we can grow, even hearing ourselves speaking the words to another person can give us a little bit of clarity about what's going on in our prayer, you know. And often when people hear our story, they can they can often say, well, look, have you thought about praying this way or have you thought about praying using this piece of scripture? Uh, or have you thought about, you know, this? if you're a spiritual director, have you talked about going to your priest about this? You know, maybe this is an area that needs confession or whatever. And the encouragement of another person might be enough to kind of to, to help you in that journey. 
but there are people trained in spiritual direction there's no doubt about that and uh, thankfully the the numbers of people training in spiritual direction is growing and more and more people are being drawn to that ministry I myself, my spiritual director, is, it's the first time I've actually had a lay person as my layman as my spiritual director up to now. Of years that I've had him for the last five years, he's an actually retired piano teacher, a very holy man, and a very, uh, very knowledgeable in the rules of the of Ignatius and discernment and Ignatian spirituality, which I, I find quite attractive. But um, I I find that. I go to him once a month and I share what's going on in my prayer life. I share with him where I'm struggling. I share with him where I'm, where what's giving me joy. I share what everything that's happening in my last month and how it relates to my prayer and how it flows from my prayer. He doesn't have to say an awful lot. He but he, often, he sums up beautifully what's going on and he maybe gives me pointers and encouragement, but it's in the telling of the story and in it being heard that... I see a different angle or a different side or a different appreciation of actually what's going on in my life and my prayer life. So I find spiritual direction myself personally to be a tremendous help. And I've been blessed here in the university to have students and have a number of priests coming for direction to me. And to see the progress in their spiritual life and to see how much they grow um, over the years, I suppose I find it extremely rewarding myself to be in that position of being able to be a spiritual director. One of the things I think people think about spiritual direction that puts them off is they think the word direction or director can sometimes put people off as I'm going to someone and going to tell me what to do and where to go and how to go about this. Now, they may indeed give some bit of advice on the spiritual life, but a spiritual direction, it's not telling you what to do. It's its really sifting through the bits and pieces of your life with them and saying, well, where is God present here? Where's God showing himself? Or where God might be tugging your heartstrings? In what direction do you, do you feel yourself that God is calling you? So it gives you a space to um, unfold the story of your spiritual prayer life with another person, which I think is definitely vitally important. Maybe to say here that, you know, you might not have access to a spiritual director, but is there somebody in your parish who's a wise, holy person who has walked the road of prayer before you? and who you can actually say to them, could I meet with you maybe once a week or once a month or once every six weeks? So, and we just talk about our prayer life with each other. And that in itself can be a huge, huge um, gift to your prayer life too. So uh, I, as I'm, I'm tending to say to somebody who's wise, so pick somebody who is wise. And if they're holy as well, that, that's a tremendous help, but definitely somebody who's wise. Yeah, I think that's you know a, a great point for someone who is feels that they're just starting or maybe they've been praying for a long time that we've spoken about confession that you you may the person out there listening right now and they're not catholic okay yeah. that don't let that stop you from walking into the church and don't even let oh, that no. stop you from walking into a confessional i mean Absolutely. because can the 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 best confessions in mer- very real way especially um talked about our lady in the, at knock but also in the the first five saturdays it's uh that great devotion where and we could talk more about that in, in another episode but the consistency of going uh once a month for five months you begin to see patterns you begin to see things in a very real way it becomes an opportunity to look it's a form of spiritual direction isn't it? it? You begin to see where you're heading or the path that you've been going on a consistent basis and either make correctives or begin again or start over. But you, you have someone who is there with you who's giving you some guidance as well. 
Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you there. Don't let anything put you off um, coming to confession or coming to, to talk to a priest or someone in the parish. It doesn't matter what your background is. Just be open to the Holy Spirit. And if you feel inspired to go to the church or to go to a priest, just don't be afraid to go to them. The priest is not going to turn you away because you're not Catholic. If anything, is probably going to be more welcoming because he understands that you're 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 searching for truth and for meaning in your life, you know. So it's, definitely don't let that that stop you um, from going to confession or going to talk to a priest or going to someone in their parish. Also, I would say to you that the examination of conscience at the end of each day is something that really is quite helpful on the spiritual journey. And I, you know, if you at the end of the day, just before you go to sleep, you just take a, a look over the the last day. And again, I often say to people ask the holy spirit to inspire you to the moments in your day where you saw his presence and the moments in your day where you maybe have ignored his presence or his presence in other people you know and the more we do that we actually tune in to what's going on to life even even more so you know again as i said it's not to beat ourselves up or to get ourselves down but it's actually to to enlighten us so for the areas that okay you know, I was, I really was selfish today, or, you know, I was quite generous there, or I saw the Lord at work in the words that that person spoke to me. I really want to thank God now at the end of this day for that, or, you know, I was a bit abrupt with that person today. You know, I was abrupt with them yesterday too, actually. That's two days in a row now. Does That really needs to be looked at. Or, you know, I've been a bit lazy in my work today, and I was lazy yesterday too, and there's a bit of a pattern emerging here. Or, you know, I went out for a walk and I saw somebody in need and I was had the, the, the strength to be able to reach out to them in need. And isn't that something beautiful in my spiritual life that I have that gift of being able to care for other people, you know? So definitely at the end of the, I would say if don't leave it to once a month to do an examination of conscience, if you get the habit of doing it every day, we, as I said, we become in tuned to the ups and downs in the spiritual life, or you might find yourself at the end of the day saying, well, God, I went through this day and I, I never prayed at all. And like, well, what happened there? I just got so busy and I really need to address that now for tomorrow. It means you can plan for tomorrow. Okay, I have a, I have a, I'm going to get up a few minutes earlier in the morning or else I'm going to have a break in the afternoon. That's that's my time of prayer or the evening time. So I deliberately um, put into the timetable some time for prayer. So the examination of conscience at the end of the day and definitely before before confession um I often have a student now who comes into confession now what they have their they, they sit outside for a period of time and they write out what what they want to say in confession so they don't forget and it's a good way of actually you know looking over there just writing down now obviously you want to keep the, your piece of paper safe whatever and then at the end of if you do bring it to confession then to destroy it after confession because you, the, the sins are forgiven you know well i gosh i wish we had more time father but um and we're going to continue our conversations on the the Heart of prayer, I would say. But in closing on this particular aspect of our conversation, any final thoughts? I just think that the spiritual life is just an adventure of of love and adventure that will just continue to surprise and surprise because God wants to give us the kingdom. So any idea of what God can do for us, uh, it's it's going to be far greater than that. If you go to the furthest extreme of your imagination and wonder what God can do for you, You've only just scratching the surface. So I do encourage people on the spiritual life just to keep keep going. Those who haven't been praying to start, those who have found prayer difficulty, just to pick up, pick up again and just to reach out for help. There are people there who want to help you. And just be honest and open. And especially if you're going to confession, don't, don't be embarrassed. 
You've not. Be, I guarantee you the priest has heard every sin under the under the sun at this stage, and he'd probably give you a prize if we can come up with a unique sin because we all, we're all sinners. He's heard the same sin over again. I'm sure for many many times. So you're not going to embarrass a priest, or it's not going to be an awkward awkward. He's just the priest is just there to administer the beautiful words. I absolve you of all your sins. You've been listening to the Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Bork. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Bourke.